0: Puerto Rico and the whole Caribbean could see a renaissance, just a renaissance of, of innovation and technology that started with this amazing new technology called cryptocurrencies.
1: Welcome to a bit cryptic podcast where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now, it's time to get a bit cryptic. Welcome everyone to A Bit Cryptic Podcast. Today we're very glad to have Enrique Martinez, a former Pentagon aerospace engineer turned crypto entrepreneur. He founded Web Capitalist Corp in 2016, a company which advises ICOs through the token sale process. He's been in the crypto scene since the early days of 2009 and is currently working on establishing a blockchain-based solar microgrid company. I am Alain Leon, aka Bitcoin Van Gogh, and today I am co-hosting with Jeff Peterson, Enrique, thanks for being here with us today. And like I said, we're very glad to have you.
0: Thank you very much for this intro. I really appreciate it. I mean, uh, I, I appreciate the accolades and uh, all the great things that you said about me, and definitely an honor for me to be over here with all, both of you guys.
2: No, the on- the honors ours. We're the we we just get the pleasure of talking to you because we're the interviewers. But if if it were uh, a normal situation, we want we wouldn't get to hang out with you because you're you're a little too cool for us. I think.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we kind of touched on it in the intro, but just so the listeners have a better idea of who this man Enrique Martinez is that we're talking to, could you go a little bit more into your background, like how you got into crypto and kind of leading to where you are now? Could you, could you sure. kind of paint that picture for us for a little bit?
0: Sure. I mean, I, I guess I am. In terms of the stereotype of the crypto people or, you know, right now in the community, I guess I'm a little bit of a uh, of a black sheep uh, in that sense. I'm a little bit uh, different because I come from a uh, highly government background. Um, my background is in aerospace engineering and also in mechanical engineering with a bachelor's in aerospace uh, and then my master's in mechanical with specialty in computer programming and, and mechanical engineering. And then I started working for the Army. And uh, with research and development, and then later on with the Pentagon, with everything that has to do with drones, I was part of this uh, special initial group of engineers that, that were tasked to come come up and design what was going to be the first and second and third uh, generation of drones or UAVs, unmanned vehicles for the U.S. Army and the U.S. Special Forces as well. And so then I was designing, you know, drones and UAVs having a great time. And then we, I quickly evolved to, um, these things that has to do with artificial intelligence and neural networks. The reason being that the more you get into unmanned vehicles and then the more you try to have all these drones have their own autonomy and, and flight by themselves, then you start dealing with decision making and how they start Acquiring some kind of conscience. Uh, so, around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, we we're trying to come up with how is that we can have a fleet of drones that could fly by themselves, and in, in a you know fly by themselves, and then start making decisions by themselves. Anything that has to do with AI, and you know, obviously the taking into consideration the seriousness of having military drones or military UAVs. Taking decisions by themselves when they are, uh, weaponized or when they have missiles with them as well. So, so right. we, I started Heavy working with all, with all, I'm sorry. sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, so, so I, I was saying that, so I was working with everything that has to do with drones and then how do you then make, make them decentralized? Which at that, at that time, uh, we were not even thinking about that specific word, which is now in the world of cryptocurrencies has this really special meaning, but we're trying to make them just completely autonomous. And then a good friend of mine was the one that, uh, that gave me the now famous Bitcoin white paper in 2009, which to me was just like, like seeing gold at that time because the math of that of the bitcoin white paper is just amazing i mean the way it was, it's written and, and what i saw at that time is i saw just an amazing new technology that could be used for drones but it also could be used for a lot of other things in terms of how do you have for example something uh, of a how do you make a decision one versus the other by having this weight Call maybe Bitcoin, right? So if, if you make the wrong decision, it's going to cost you a lot. If you don't make, or if you make the right decision, it's not going to cost you too much, right? So, so we were thinking about all those things back then. And then I move out from the Pentagon. I move away from the Army and then moved to Miami. And during that same time, I was, I did my MBA, my Masters in Business, and, and then also with specialty, my Masters in Business is specialty in uh, how do you predict the Wall Street and how can you predict the uh, value of different stocks uh, using neural networks which I was I had learned before in the UAV world and then I just when I moved out I moved to Miami I just started just trying to research and, and understand and learn a little bit more about this new world of Bitcoin and maybe seeing if, if there was anybody out there uh, trying to uh, do this or program. This thing called Bitcoin, which then I started, that's how I started to get to know all these people that are right now, the crypto All these or, you know, the this group of the the older generation of uh, people in cryptocurrencies and, and Bitcoin. And then later on, I mean, I just kept meeting them, learning from them, trying to gather and trying to read as much as I can until then in 2015, after ICOs such as Ethereum, Then started doing uh, this new process called initial coin offerings or initial token offerings. Then I was just I was just mesmerized by you know the possibility of having anybody anywhere around the world with any amount of money being being able to to be a part of any new development of technology. And that to me it, it was like crowdsourcing or crowdfunding or Kickstarter in just, or Indiegogo, right, in steroids. And that to me was just uh, amazing in terms of bringing just the possibility of anybody just to be able to be a part of something that maybe potentially could give them an additional amount of assets or an additional amount of Bitcoin or anything like that, right? So then I started just helping people in terms of how do you go about this process? Because it is still right now a little bit, difficult for a lot of people to understand how do you then try to buy token in an, in an initial coin offering or initial token offering so i just started just showing people this is you need to have this you need to have this wallet you need to go to this website you need to wait you need to do this which still to this day is still a little bit uh we still as a community we still need to do a, a much better job to make these platforms a lot more user friendly and, and we're getting there But it's just, just you know, it's just part of the process of trying to come up with something that to me is just amazing, Um, and that has been that has been pretty much my life for the last about nine years. I just getting involved with all this amazing new revolution. What I see really is an evolution. Not uh, it's it's a mix of both, but I see more of an evolution of how do we as a society then can create something that allows a lot of other people, right? The ability to, for a lot of other people around the world to participate in this global new uh, economy.
1: Enrique, so what I heard there is that you see a lot of possibility for this technology. You've been involved in it since the very early days, since 2009. A lot of the people that I know, um, you know, have been in it maybe since as early as 2011, some 2012. But it seems that... Right at the beginning in 2009, you got this Bitcoin white paper and due to the nature of the work that you were doing, saw a lot of possibility for it. Was it first sort of like, let me know everything and then you started helping out, let's say friends and then it grew into these companies or did you, did you sort of have mapped out your vision for the future in which you said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create, you know, in 2015 after you saw Ethereum, I'm gonna create a company that 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 helps these people through their ICO token sale process, or essentially, how how did that come about?
0: In terms of you know my whole growth, right, inside or, or development inside this technology, uh, you know, it's difficult for me to sometimes say an industry because it's still in development and we're still kind of testing. This is still extremely experimental and extremely risky as well. But back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. It was more of me being the engineer and, and the nerd and the geeky guy that I am that just likes to learn and, and, and likes everything that has to do with new technologies. Uh, things such as artificial intelligence, things such as neural networks, things such as virtual reality, things such, you know, drones, I mean, that's right, or, or space, right, physics, I mean, these are things that I'm just extremely passionate. So I, I started just as someone that just wanted to learn as much as I could, as fast as I can. <laughs> because even up today, I mean, there's so much going on so fast that it's hard to keep track of all the different technologies and, and innovations happening all around the world. So I just started to learn it and, and, and just, just sharing with people, you know, this is what I know. This is how you can do some things like this. Uh, and then just talking, right? Just sharing with them. And then in 2014, that's when uh, the first so-called initial coin offering happened, and to me it was just amazing. I was, you know, it was it was something of back in 2008 when I was doing my MBA, we were, we were discussing all these things called crowdsourcing and crowdfunding and how is that you can come up with better decisions based on just gathering a bunch of people. Uh, and asking for, you know, their take on something, even, if, even if they are not experts. So th- this thing called crowdfunding, crowdsourcing has always been a, a passion of me, which to some extent has to do also with artificial intelligence, the wage program and all that, right? But what happened is that then in 2014 and then 2015, people start asking, you know, how can I do this? How can I raise funds using this process called ICO or, or ITO? And then, again, I just happened to know the process, some of the steps. And then I just started to tell people, listen, this is how you do it. You need to go about this, blah, blah, <laughs> Until I I said, there was a friend of mine that said, hey, Enrique, I mean, how about if you, instead of just working in corporate America, which I, I love, I used to love as well, then have your own company? And I have always... You know, thought about just coming up with my own company, being a CEO, and and I, I saw it as a perfect opportunity of just combining technology innovation with business. So that's when I initially uh, started Web Capitalist, Web, Web Capitalist Corporation, and that's I just started just as a you know just one person, actually two people, two people consulting. Just for anybody that wanted to learn how to go about what is Bitcoin, what are cryptocurrencies, just how to adopt this technology into your business. Uh, do you need to adopt it into your business? Does it make sense for your specific business? I mean, just trying to answer all these questions that, that, uh, that companies had at that time. And right, right now it's just a lot more companies, right? Trying to think about just adding this technology to their companies to To differentiate themselves from other companies, so that's how we started in 2016, just being public about my role and how is that I have been helping people for, for some time, and then it just exploded, right? So yet yeah, last year, 2017, it was just it was just a you know an amazing explosion, which which in 2000 back in 2015, 2016 we kind of knew that there was something going on that was going to be huge in terms of just exploding and reaching. Uh, different people different countries And uh, then last year it was just an explosion in, inside uh, ICO the ICO world and now what we're seeing is this evolution of not I mean from the uh, engineers that were trying to raise money uh, but they really didn't have the management skills or the business skills to run a business to now you're seeing more of the more polished, right? More well-established people that have a a business savvy mindset to then come and raise money either using a security token, and this is something that still now be discussed, right, by by the different regulators, a security token or an utility token to then run a business that way, and, and that's what we're seeing right now. Which I actually I appreciate, I definitely appreciate you have, um, you know, having more seriousness. And more of a, uh, you know, of a business case of why is that you need to raise money? What is the problem problem that you're trying to tackle? What is your solution? Tell me the uh, the timeline. You know, how is I going to use this money? And be be transparent. Right? Be transparent to your investors. Be transparent to any person that wants to buy your token, uh, or how, however you define it. Right? Just be transparent about the steps. And, and what is it, what are you going to do with that money? And I really, really appreciate that new, new wave of people that are trying to come up with, a you know, a more refined, uh, and, and a more, and a more regulated, uh, process for ICOs.
2: Well, that was a lot. So why don't we break down some of what you're talking about there? Yeah. It's been crazy seeing this whole ICO process kind of explode out of nowhere. I mean, I wasn't as early as you. I I got into cryptocurrency probably closer to 2013, maybe 2012. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I can, I think I speak for everyone when I say that like, none of us saw this ICO process happening from cryptocurrency, but it's, it's a, it's very cool. And it's, it's interesting to see how people have used this technology to, like you said, create a Kickstarter on steroids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm curious to know, like, first, like, how did you, you said you like kind of started learning about this stuff, but I'm curious, you know, how did you, how did you learn about this stuff? Cause say someone wants to do something like what you're doing, They're like, Oh, consulting ICOs. It sounds like a really cool job. Maybe I want to do that. W- at what point did you feel like comfortable enough to start like creating a company and consulting people? How did you acquire that knowledge in the first place that you felt comfortable to be able to consult other people? What did that process look like specifically?
0: To be honest with you, I am never comfortable. <laughs> 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 to just completely transparent, I am never comfortable. The if reason why is, yeah, is that it is changing so fast every single day that... I mean, you have to be. You have to be always reading and learning. You have to be, and, and then just listening to podcasts such as yours. Right? You have to be over there always, every single day, just on, on top of your game. And you have to be hungry. I mean, you have to really want to be successful, uh, and, and really try to bring value to people. Having said that, I just read and re- I just read and, and talk to a lot of people every single day. Uh, that's to be honest. That's that's how that's how I do it. And like I said, I'm I'm never comfortable, uh, regardless of how many people I know or regardless of how many people I have helped. No, I mean I, I I I always like to bring as much as I can and as much value to people, which ultimately they are really my friends. And if I can help a friend. And if I can help them make better decisions, or just give them, you know, a little nugget of uh, of something that they could be doing different or better, or then, you know, if if they actually do something like that uh, and it works, to me, that's just that's just amazing, right? So, so having said that, I, I just go to all the websites. There's really no. Uh, there are a bunch of books that are actually really, really good. You know, the digital. Could you give goal some examples, and, so we can. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, one of them is the digital gold that is, is is pretty much a classic on on the history, right? How everything was created. The Blockchain revolution is another one by by Dom Tapscott, and there are uh, several. I mean, those are pretty classic, right? That people uh, people read. There are a bunch of other ones that are that are coming up, and and you just have to make sure that you just grab them all and start reading, <laughs> start reading, start reading. But but not only crypto books or not only you know blockchain books uh, try to understand um you know this the evolution of money and the evolution of uh, currencies and the evolution of crowdsourcing right it just bring more value and, and just expand your horizons in terms of you know your knowledge right what else can you bring to uh, to your friends or your possible clients, right? So um, that's that's what I definitely recommend to everybody. There are several websites that are you know classic websites that you need to go take a look. Uh, CoinDesk is definitely one of them. Coin is definitely another one, right? That, that, that people can go uh, and, and start reading what's what they have over there, and there are several other ones that right, uh, including podcasts as well. You uh, just podcast right? That, that, that people have. Uh, that you can go and
2: this podcast you heard him he's he's giving us points uh, (laughs) (laughs) official you have to you have to you have to (laughs) that's official promotion
0: (laughs) yeah that people can go and 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 learn Uh, i definitely recommend you know listen to to you guys as well Uh, because you never know you never know well, if there's, if you guys are going to have someone that's going to say something that, you know, we just click. It was the right thing that you needed to have at that specific time to help someone. So you, you really never know. A lot of us that have been in, uh, for a long time in, in cryptocurrency, some of the old people, they say that, uh, that they, you know, maybe I, I, I can go from being a, a day trader in Wall Street to being a day trader over here. And what I have said in the past is, listen, if you are a day trader in Wall Street, you are not going to be a day trader in, in cryptocurrencies because there's no such thing as a day trading in cryptocurrencies. If you want to be successful as a so-called trader in cryptocurrencies, then you have to be an all-day trader because this, this never stops. It is 24-7, 365 days of the year. Yeah, so uh, you can have your your peace of mind in, in Wall Street once, once the, uh, the markets' closed but in cryptocurrencies this doesn't close
2: which is where those AI algorithms that trade all night for you come in.
0: So and, and having that same philosophy uh, and that same way of thinking, you know when five o'clock or four o'clock hits, no don't don't shut ch- ch- down. I mean that's when you start doing something else. Right, so that's when you start opening new books and reading and listening. Right, so that's what I advise anybody that wants to be a really good consultant. And obviously, take good every now and then books or classes on finance and accounting. You need to have, you know, as a consultant, you need to have an overall idea of how to run a business, um, how to be an entrepreneur, how to have a startup. Because that's something that we are really, really missing right now in the uh, in the ICO world. Right, uh, a lot of ICOs. That have happened in the past, they really, really did not have that business knowledge uh, in terms of how to run a business. Business fundamentals. Yes, and, and I don't care what process you use to raise funds—Kickstarter, Indiegogo, uh, angel investing, VC, venture capitalists—I don't care what process you use or or ICOs. To be successful, to be successful, you really need to have good team. I don't care how much money you raise. I don't care your technology. The technology that you have, the success is defined by your team. And if your team is not good, if, and if you're not a good leader, then regardless of how much money you raise, you're going to be a successful failure. That's how. That's what you're going to be. A
1: successful failure. <laughs>
2: Rich failures.
0: So, uh, uh, you know, the fundamentals of business still there. So, go ahead.
1: Yeah. So, Enrique, you were you were talking about reading about other fields crowdsourcing and the history of money and i think at least probably the history of money for a lot of folks that are that are in the cryptocurrency field know a little bit about it but you almost you almost mentioned them as a way to help you see where this industry is going so it isn't just about, it isn't just about knowing the history of money. To me, it seemed that you were talking about, well, you know, we have ICOs and that's somewhat similar to crowdfunding and we have, and we have the history of money and Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. It's not just knowing it from a historical perspective. Is it helping you sort of see the future landscape?
0: absolutely I mean you, you want to understand the macro view I mean it is really good to go micro and to go you know into the into the weeds into the you know tiny details and all that is perfectly fine and you have to at some point but you you really I mean to be to be really good right to, to be a good consultant um, for any friend or any potential client, it's really good to also come up with a a macro view right uh you know why why this is happening right and always ask yourself you know why and why 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 this is happening how is that we got over here how is that we can make it better why is is that this new tool this new mechanism is going to help this company so it's not you know right not only understanding digital assets such as bitcoin and all that perfect but then, I mean, let's, let's go even deeper. I mean, for this specific friend or for this specific client in that, that this client is in this industry, why is that this, you know, blockchain technology or why is that this cryptocurrency uh, technology is going to help this specific client in this specific industry at this moment? Right. And, and, and that additional nugget of information, it, it, to me, is, it's what is going to separate you as a consultant in order to be not only a really good consultant for your client, but also a really good friend. Because ultimately you want, if you're a really good consultant, you want your friend to be successful. And in order for your friend to be successful, you need to be able to go from the macro view of how is that your friend runs uh, his or her company in that specific industry, in that specific market to then go and go in and then say, you know, listen, this is the reason why you need to have uh, things like things you know, such as cryptocurrencies or blockchain. But first, on, first come from a point of view of why. Why is that this company needs something like this? Uh, and and the reason why I have this way of thinking is because I was trained to be a consultant. I was trained to be a consultant for any of the top five consulting companies in the U.S. Right, the McKinseys, the Deloitte, the uh, Boston Consulting Group, uh, the Baines. I mean, I was trained to be have that mentality of, you know, is good to have the macro view, you need to have the macro view, and then come with data, come with analysis, financial analysis, uh, accounting analysis, or market research analysis of why, uh, what's going to be the impact of this technology in this company for his customers, or for her customers, right, so, and that is what really differentiates the you know really bad uh, consultants from the good consultants from the amazing consultants
2: you mentioned getting in the the specifics the nitty-gritty of, of looking at some of the machinations that go on in some of these companies that'll make them successful i i'm curious would you be willing to maybe walk us through like an example of of a company that you're asked to consult and and how you helped them and what what you saw how you guided them what advice you gave them like just You don't have to give all the, all the dirty details, but some specific things that you did that, uh, you know, helped launch the company on a trajectory of success. Because I think some people listening are entrepreneurs and they want to know, okay, like tell me what, what do I need to do? Like give give me, give me the keys to the castle. Let's do this.
0: By the way, this is not for anybody that is listening, right? And I hope that there are thousands of people right now listening. Just understand that this is not something that you're going to develop overnight. This takes years of learning, reading, and applying. You need to learn, read, apply, read, apply, hear, apply. So, uh, I cannot talk specifics, uh, right now because of different agreements that I have, but just to give you an idea.
2: Let's use a hypothetical company that has a hypothetical situation that's common.
0: I I can, I can give you, I can give you a, a quick example. There's this company that is a really successful public company in the water industry. And they were thinking about how is that they adopt and include blockchain technology to their company. Take in mind, they are, or keep in mind, they are already extremely successful. They don't necessarily need to have blockchain technology. And if they do, then why, right? Why is that they need to have blockchain technology to make them even better? So what they did and and what we were talking about is, their whole process is, you know, just 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 be curious, right? So you know, they uh, approach me, hey, Enrique, we would like to uh, for you to help us to adopt and include blockchain technology to our company, to this new company that is in the water industry. And then we sat down, and boom, first question, you know, from my side, right? Why is that you want to include blockchain technology, and why? What is your understanding of blockchain? And it took us about a couple hours just to go through the whole process of understanding why blockchain, te- you know, what is blockchain technology? Uh, what, what blockchain brings to your company or just to anybody that adopts blockchain technology. And then having said that, you know, to your specific company in water industry, you know, tell me a little bit about the water industry. You know, what is the status of w- right now? What, w- you know, where you are. You know, what is the status quo within the stat, within the water industry? And then the CEO that he's a really amazing and famous person already, um, just walk me through the process of, or walk me through, uh, some of the status quo, right? Of, you know, how, how are things done inside the water industry right now? Um, what are some of the obstacles to making any improvement inside the water industry? And then, you know, how, who are the players? Who are the big players inside the water industry? How is that different? Markets are impacted, you know. Markets in the U.S. and within the U.S. Now you you can be thinking about, you know, California or maybe Michigan. Remember what happened in Michigan with Flint, right? All the pollution that happened in the water. Flint, yes. You know what happened over there, and why is that we could not? Why is that we did not treat that water faster? So it just takes time, right? Just to go through the process of, you know, let's just understand where is that your company place within the water industry. Uh, and some of the some of the uh, mistakes that for example entrepreneurs startups make is that whenever whenever they make projections they say well you know this industry is a two trillion dollar industry uh, so if I only make you know one percent uh, of you know if, I, if if I can only capture one percent of the of this industry then this is how my financial projections are going to look for the next three or five four years well You know, that might be nice in a, in a, in a graph uh, and and in a presentation, but how is that you're going to capture that 1%? You know, where is that you need to go to capture that 1%? Do you need to fly? You need to be flying to, uh, to Asia every week to establish the relationship to get them go and capture this 1%? Do you have the money to go over there and capture? (laughs) I mean, so so these are things that, that, uh, that you need to always Question and ask whenever you are actually going and doing this kind of consulting. Any company, so we went and then we uh, I just start asking you know all these questions. How is that? How is that you guys play right now? How much money are you guys making roughly? I mean it's a public company after all. And and then and then we turn around and then I said, okay, so this is what blockchain does. So let's see how is that blockchain is going to help your company. Right, and then we try, kind of, you know, went back and forth in terms of the right business model for the for the company in this moment. Well, maybe we can use blockchain for to do this. Well, yeah, that's great, but some of the obstacles right now in the water industry is, is this. Okay, so maybe we can use blockchain to do this other thing, and then kind of overcome that obstacle. And that's what we that's what we are right now. We are right now in the process of. Uh, creating a security token and that's they are experts right it's a public company so they are experts in following the sec rules and all that so it's perfectly fine and it's going to be a security token in order to raise funds to fund several water treatment projects and that is right now the biggest obstacle in the water industry Right, complacent people are just are just happy. They don't recycle. They don't treat water. They just dump the water. It doesn't matter. Blah blah. blah. We have plenty of water. Well, we don't. Right? Uh, the statistics are that in the next uh, twelve years, there's going to be a lot more demand than supply of water. Hmm. Okay. Perfect. Then that helps us to position ourselves. Perfect for that.
2: And that sets the scene for, for those water wars that we see in Mad Max.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so now you start thinking about, okay, how, how can I then position blockchain right now? And is it possible, right? Is it possible to position some kind of an ICO in order to raise funds, in order to tackle the issue with which right now the biggest issue is you need funds, you need money, right? In order to kick off this new water treatment vision. And sort of so-called revolution, right? In order to just make the one industry better, better for the US, better for the whole world. So,
2: so is the, the security then, it's just a way to raise money, like, like doing an IPO, but with tokens essentially. Correct. And then they're not, they're not making a utility token where it incentivizes people and, but they're trying to do that kind of separately, just on their own.
0: It, it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, and I cannot say too much, but it's going to be a, a, a really an yeah, amazing yeah. way and platform that, that they're coming up to raise funds using the ICO process, using a security token. Gotcha. That then, you'll see pretty soon how, uh. You're, how you're, you're like, to, oh, uh, I can't
2: see that, can't see that, can't see
0: that.
2: I can hear it in your voice.
0: I, I I come from the world of um, top secret classified information yeah, when yeah. I was working at, so I definitely I, I yeah. understand. Well, that one I cannot say. But we, will, I, we won't we won't make you
2: break your cover. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question: Are there any projects that you've worked on that uh that that you can talk about that have been successful? That, maybe that we've heard are, of?
0: Are there what? I'm sorry?
2: Are there any projects that you've worked on that you can talk about that were fairly successful that maybe we've heard about, or, or are they all secret?
0: Still cannot talk about. I, I wish I could, uh, but I, I wish I could. But uh, uh, I, I can tell you this. I'm involved with a solar project that is doing uh, their ICO right now, uh, and I will probably argue that they are... Uh, one of the top two or top three best solar blockchain companies out there. Then obviously, this now Water. I'm also helping in the oil industry.
2: We can say that one because it's public knowledge, right? I saw your name online. Yes. Or, or yes. Impact yes. PPA. Is that the one?
0: Yep. That's one. Yeah, that, that, that's you're, one. You're already online, online
2: published. So I think we can talk yep. about that one.
0: <laughs> yep. That one. And And then I'm also helping inside the oil industry. This other company that is, uh, I truly believe they are, they're going to come up with an amazing and revolutionary and disruptive platform for the oil industry as well.
1: But you, you also have your own projects, correct Enrique?
0: Yes. Uh, and, and, and these other projects that I have are just pretty much my babies because of, it really touches my heart in terms of the impact that is going to have right now, right now. For the survival of people right now, and and this is this is one of the reasons why I I'm so happy to be an advisor or a consultant I should say for Impact PPA. These projects are solar projects, so, solar blockchain microgrids in, in Puerto Rico, and I'm not sure if you guys are aware, and your audience uh, maybe some of you in your audience are aware. That Puerto Rico recently broke the record, several months ago actually, broke the record as the country that has been the longest, the longest amount of time without any electricity, complete blackout in the whole world. Uh, and that is definitely, definitely not a record that anybody, any country should break, right? (laughs) That is not a good record to break. Uh, so when that happened, when Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Maria, hit the Caribbean uh, and definitely hit Puerto Rico uh, head on, then that's when I realized that I needed to do something back in Puerto Rico. I was born in Puerto Rico, left about 20, 21 years ago. And, and I just felt that I needed to, um, to do something, uh, whatever I could, right? I just needed to do something. And it just so happened that when I started seeing the amount of destruction and devastation in the island... That's when I, and, and the need, the need for electricity, the need for water, just basic things. Then that's when I realized that maybe I can help just bring in solar, right? Bringing electricity. Uh, the good thing about Puerto Rico is that we have plenty of sun. <laughs> I mean, we are a tropical island in yeah. the Caribbean, so yeah. that's great. We have, we have sun, uh, and we already have solar technology, solar panels. So it was just a matter of just combining uh, solar panels uh, with a way of raising funds, right? Because you need uh, people were there. When when the when Puerto Rico got hit and there was no electricity, then obviously you cannot you cannot have commerce. You cannot ha- you cannot have your economy running because people cannot be doing business because there's no electricity. So so then you cannot ex- we cannot expect people to. Paid for the capital expense, the initial expense of putting solar panels. Uh, so that's when I started talking to several of my uh, crypto friends, and some of them that have moved to Puerto Rico, other the ones that were thinking about moving to Puerto Rico, and and then I said, hey guys, I mean Puerto Rico right now has these really amazing uh, tax incentives for anybody that is that is willing to invest and move to Puerto Rico. And, and thinking about exporting business or software or anything, any kind of uh, product or service from Puerto Rico, then there are some tax incentives for that. So how about if we then move to Puerto Rico and use some of the tax breaks or tax incentive in order to use some of that money and apply it directly for solar projects? And that's what we're doing. Uh, that has been my, my calling pretty much for the last six months. And I'm not going to stop. I, I, I see it as, as something that I have to do. Uh, so what I have right now is just I'm going to Puerto Rico often, going over there. And then I already have, we have already identified several places that we're going to go. We're going to put our own money. And investors and friends are coming and saying, "Hey, you know, how can I help you?" And obviously, they obviously they also would like to have some kind of an ROI return under investment, which is perfectly fine. And then go there, put solar panels either as a solar farm or on top of their houses, and then just bring electricity to people. When I was over there last week, for the there were several several blockchain and cryptocurrencies conferences in Puerto Rico uh, last week. And when I was over there, I I was able to go and talk to several people that are in these communities. And they appreciate the the charity work that several organizations are doing over there. and, And they need it, right? We need a lot more charities and a lot more people willing to just help over there. But they also want jobs, right? They also want to have their jobs back they also want to have the economy, you know, working full for you know working full time and and working hard for for the whole island. So you know, with that mindset and with that in mind, then what we, we what we have said is that that's perfectly fine. We are just going to help bring your jobs back in terms of bring you know bring the buildings that don't have electricity. We're going to energize those buildings so that you can have your jobs again. Uh, And do, right, uh, do your jobs again over there. Uh, We're going to help commerce. We're going to help shopping centers. Really special, I mean, really special to my heart, we're going to help the hospitals. And and this is something that uh, is a, a, you know, a mandate to all of my uh, partners and, and, and team members is we need to help the hospitals. People are dying over there just because of simple things such as electricity or water. And if we can just bring that that sense of relief, or if not sense, I'm sorry, if we can bring relief by bring just electricity using solar panels, shh, man, please by by all means, let's just go ahead and do it, right? So let's just get it done.
1: Yeah, about about how many? Do you have any rough numbers about how many people are still left without power? Are you are you aware of those numbers at all? Because it's been a while, but but you know, a lot of us, um. Don't know the figures, aren't familiar with them, and I read somewhere that it was perhaps somewhere like around 40% people may still be without power.
0: So, so it, 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 and you know, it varies a lot, and it varies by day, to be honest with you. Some of the figures that I have seen is that right now more than 50% of the island is already with electricity. Truth of the matter is that some of the people that already have received electricity, then they they face sometimes one or two days without any electricity because when you start bringing all these houses, then the the, the grid, the the the, uh, the grid that is over there from the uh, government power company is is really not uh, stable right now. So when they start lighting up or energizing all these communities, then it's just a big drain. In the whole grid and it just shuts down the whole grid again so the people that some of the people that have electricity they 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 might be today with electricity and tomorrow without electricity and maybe spend two days without electricity and then back again with electricity and 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 so so, i mean in terms of stable electricity in the houses i would like to say that less less than 40 percent or 30 percent have stable electricity in their houses Having said that, Puerto Rico roughly is around 3.1, 3.2, 3.3 million people over there. People are migrating, people are leaving the island, some of them are, some people are, other people are coming. But let's say, you know, let's just say that it's 3 million people, and let's say that 50% are still without electricity, then that's about around 1.5, right? 1.5 million people that are uh, with, without electricity or with limited Electricity just because it comes back and it goes down again. There are places that still they do not have any electricity, and there are two islands that are part of Puerto Rico called Vieques and Culebra. Those places, to some extent, there are some communities over there that have been completely forgotten. That's the reason why you know there's I um, I see it as as my mission now of going over there and just help you know just helping people to bring solar panels and we'll pay for it. I mean, and right, and we will help you uh, to energize your jobs again, so that you know, uh, then the the uh, head of households can then you know go and uh, put food on the table, right? Pay for their bills, um, and then try to live a normal, stable life again.
1: For us that are not um, familiar with how that solar panels could be helped by blockchain technology. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because, you know, I obviously I understand how, how they have a need for power and how solar panel panels can help them since they're either disconnected from a grid or they don't have any electricity. But how does blockchain fit into that?
0: Before talking about that, just understand what is what blockchain does. What is the benefit of blockchain, right? And when you talk about blockchain, you have to talk about transparency, and you have to talk about security. Those two are paramount to defining what blockchain is and what blockchain can do for for any business or for the people, right? So, you know, how is blockchain, what kind of role blockchain can play? And there, there are two roles that blockchain can play into this. One of them is raising funds, right? So you raise funds using a token, that token, is supported, you know, it is a blockchain technology, uses blockchain technology. Uh, And by default, it brings transparency so anybody that buys that token is going to know exactly the transaction I can see the transaction, I can record the transaction by daytime. time and at the same time, it brings security. No one has been able to hack the blockchain. Perfect. I mean, then it brings that level of of security and transparency just to the "Quote unquote financial side of of how you can apply blockchain to a solar project. Now, on the other on, on the application to the specific solar project, the blockchain helps to capture a transaction. A, a the, the transaction can be financial, or it can, it can be energy, or it can be real estate. It can be any kind of transaction, right? Movement of zeros and ones from one place to another. Let me put it that way. So, blockchain." Is going to be used to capture how much electricity was transferred from solar panels to the house, or how much electricity was consumed, right in that house. And then blockchain is going to be used to uh, provide transparency and security whenever someone in that house pays for the electricity electricity that was consumed. Now, uh, one of the issues that sometimes in countries, including Puerto Rico, sometimes people fa- face or has have faced in the past is that they, for example, never consume an electricity, and this actually happened in the complete blackout that Puerto Rico uh, suffered several months ago. And people in complete, I mean, the whole island, complete blackout, and there were houses that receive bills from the power company charging them. 200 dollars or 300 dollars when when they never right when they did not receive any electricity <laughs> because the whole island was not yeah in that's <laughs> that's
1: insane that's ridiculous yeah, yeah.
0: exactly so uh, that is an example this that is really an easy example of uh, right that people went over there went to the power company and say hey you know <laughs> I never received any electricity because you know we were in comp- the whole island was in complete blackout. But there, ha- I mean, there are several times you know there are so several times that that have happened that people receive bills that uh, you know asking you know a bill for an, electric, ele- an electrical consumption that they never receive. And in
1: that case, a quick question, yeah. So, so in a way, because I'm trying to understand it, you're saying that the solar panels, you know, they're going to be metering the power. It's going to use blockchain to to as a transparency mechanism to say how much you used and who used it, and that's going to be stored in a secured way and is going to be tracked somewhat automatically by by the solar panels, and perhaps maybe even if somebody has extra electricity um would they be able to sell it to to another house or to a hospital that's 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 what the blockchain is being used for for transparency so we know who used what and whether that energy went whether i sent energy let's say to my neighbor if, if if i had unused energy is am i getting that correct
0: i definitely need to hire you to come and help me over there in puerto rico because,
2: it, <laughs> you, you, well, you, I'm available. I have a lot perfect. of, you got a job. You're, <laughs> You're hired.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a lot of, a lot, I have a lot of friends, uh, in Puerto Rico. You know, I'm here in Miami as well. And, and so, yeah, I, it, it, it hits close to home.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's, that's exactly one way that you can use it, right? Uh, depending on the model, there are really two models, right? One model of using the solar panels is you create a solar farm and then that solar farm, uh, supplies electricity to a community of houses. In that case, then the houses are not going to be uh, buying and selling electricity from each other, right? It's just a solar farm which is going to be supplying electricity. Okay. Is going to be captured using uh, each house is going to have a smart meter, and then the smart meter is going to provide right the information of uh, how much electricity was consumed. That is going to be uh, recorded and monitored and tracked using blockchain technology, so that each house feels secure and comfortable uh, that yes, the house consume X amount of electricity, right? There's there's no denying, there's no back and forth, right? There's no arguing, yes, you know? <laughs> you, yeah. and
1: that's how you're using it in Puerto Rico or or no, or is, is it both? So,
0: so in some communities it's going to be like that. It's just going to be, we, we can provide a, a uh, we can create a solar farm and then, you know, do that. There are some communities that you don't have the space to create a solar farm. In those in those communities, then we're going to put solar panels on top of each house, and then we're going to obviously each house is going to have batteries, right, to store uh, electricity, so so that they can use electricity at night or obviously during the day as well. And then what's going to happen is that let's say that a specific house, house X, did not consume the amount or the amount of electricity that it generated, then that house has the ability to then sell. The electricity to another house when you sell it to another house you as the owner of house x you want to make sure how much electricity was sold to house y or to house b right it doesn't matter and that transaction oh, okay. of selling electricity to the other house is going to be re- recorded is going to be monitored using blockchain technology
1: so you're not only just doing that in in a In a roundabout way, you're also incentivizing people to find places where they could put a solar panel, places where, essentially where they could make money.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Getting a micro economy. That that is, thank you. You guys, you guys are the best. You both of you are the best. That's exactly right. So, so (laughs) the, uh, the, uh, you know, kind of the unintentional consequence is that if people are really savvy about this, they can start making money out of the solar panels that they have on their houses, right? And, and that is the amazing thing of then having this kind of technology. Uh, and also having blockchain technology, well, technology meaning the smart meter, solar panels, right? But then when you include blockchain into that, then you feel comfortable that the transaction is transparent and it's secure. And it actually happened, right? So any house that, for example, goes on vacation, right? Let me go on vacation for one week. That house automatically, the electricity that, ha- that 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 house produces using the solar panels, automatically can become a revenue stream for that house. And so that the people, you know, when the people come back, then guess what? <laughs> you know, their house, you know, has produced X amount of money, right? And X amount of dollars, right? Which is amazing, right? Your house by default is going to become kind of a way for you to make money. And also incentivize yeah, and it, people to use less electricity, right? Because if you you, yes, know, if you want to yes. make money out of the solar panels, then the only thing that you have to do is, you know, hey, let's not use that much electricity, which is something that in other countries outside of the U.S., just because the cost of electricity is so high, then they they already have this knowledge of, you know, let me not consume that much electricity, Right, because I'm going to get penalized because you know electricity is so high. I'm going to get penalized, so let me just turn off all of the uh, all of the uh, light bulbs and you know everything that uses electricity in my house. But in this case, you turn this around, and instead of getting penalized, how about if you get rewarded if you don't use that much electricity? And that is that is just you know a complete 180 degree transformation in terms of how people think. Right, instead of thinking, let me just Turn up, turn it off so that I don't get penalized with a high bill. No, how about if I turn it off so that I get rewarded and I get
1: money, right? Okay. So now, can you c- close it, close the whole loophole, the whole system? Because the way I see it right now. People in Puerto Rico have been, and in other places, you know, I'm sure this, this could possibly work in other places as well. You know, they, they've been out of power. They've been out of a job, as you were saying. They, they may not have money. They don't have money to buy the solar panels. Is the ICO process involved there where people invest money to get the solar panels to them? And then perhaps maybe in the future, they look to get a profit of some sort. How does that work?
0: When it comes to investors, right, and the people that are going to be paying for the capital expense, um, obviously we need to make sure before for the whole kickoff of people making money of the solar panels. I mean, we first need to pay right the capital expense of the solar panels and the equipment and the manpower, right? That, that was that was, that was used to install everything, right? So and and it will vary, right? It will vary depending on we, we're still uh, planning in terms of how much percentage. Or maybe just to take uh, initially the first years until we break even, uh, just take the complete um, uh, revenue right from from that is coming from the uh, electricity that is being uh, consumed, and then right right after after we break even in terms of the initial investment, then we can allow people then to start trading electricity one one with the other, and that's 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 a model that uh that we're playing right now. I mean this is just brand new. This is still, I mean, this is something that is so brand new and and uh, and just experimental in terms of the economics and and the incentives and all that. That I'm personally, I'm, I'm extremely excited, and I want to make sure that when we, you know, when we do it and when we kick it off, it's something that's going to be uh, to make uh, financial sense and economic sense for the investors. For the companies are going to be installing, as well as for the people that are going to be living in those houses. Keeping in mind that we're doing this to help the people. We are not going to be doing this to help the investors. The investors, I mean, are part of the. Okay. They're part of the whole circle, right? They're part of the whole mix. But the number one goal is to help the people right now over there. Right?
1: So you're giving transparency to the investors. You're 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 letting them know ahead of time, hey, this is what you're getting into. This is how we plan to do it, and this may be, as you said earlier, your ROI, your return on your investment, but this is, you know, we're, we're we're looking to get, to help the people to get Puerto Rico back up and running, but everybody's aware of what they're getting into, is what you're saying.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right.
1: Very cool. Well,
2: I hope for both for you guys and for the people of Puerto Rico that this project is successful because it could really... Enrich a lot of lives that have been affected by the hurricane.
0: Yeah, and, and sometimes you know, out of uh, disasters and destruction, like uh, what happened in Puerto Rico, then you know, new innovations, uh, or oh, I'm sorry, innovations and, and new technology and new business models and new economics can happen. and And you will be amazing if if Puerto Rico can become at least in one or two you know business models or or technology, if Puerto Rico can become these these. Place this, uh, you know, center of excellence, or this hub of just sandboxing testing uh, technologies and and new ways of of approaching, you know, communities and and businesses, right? And I think this is just an amazing time for Puerto Rico. It's and Puerto Rico, if Puerto Rico take advantage of this amazing opportunity, then can become really can become a a place. Where people can, can come with their technology, can come with their businesses, with their investments and be a part of something that to me is just amazing. That is, you know, what's going on, the enthusiasm, right? That is going on over there of just, obviously they have to survive, right? So <laughs> I understand that enthusiasm sometimes comes of just fear of I need to survive, right? And, and however it comes, it's fine. I just want to make sure that that we go over there with a lot of passion, right? With a lot of energy and, and, and with all the people that are already over there doing amazing things. There are so many people in Puerto Rico right now doing so many great projects and, and things in, in different industries, right? In Healthcare, real estate, coming up with new models and, and innovations in, in physics, right? That, uh, that they also need a voice, right? And, 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 and they also need a platform, right? So, uh, I'm just, one link of just an amazing group of people that are getting together from inside Puerto Rico and outside of Puerto Rico just to make Puerto Rico better.
1: And to that point, Enrique, I've, I've read some articles that, that say that quite possibly if Puerto Rico takes care of, takes advantage of this horrible situation, they might become some a place like Taiwan or Singapore, these places that essentially grew out of nothing due to what they were able to offer for businesses and allowed technological innovation. Uh, it seems that you can see this happening in Puerto Rico.
0: Yes, uh, I d- definitely see it in Puerto Rico. And, and I see even more. I mean, I see Puerto Rico as being part of this new amazing region, right? Or, or, or place being a part of of this amazing new ecosystem that's the right word ecosystem that is forming in the whole caribbean i mean the whole caribbean got impacted really bad by the hurricanes and 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 every you know all the different islands that got impacted they also need help uh, not only puerto rico the british virgin islands they they got wiped as well and i have a lot of friends and brothers and sisters over there and
2: barbuda is Barely even has anything left, right? There's, there's like no one on Barbuda right now. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and, and those are amazing islands with beautiful people and, and a lot of you know enthusiasm as well. And and for example, I, I I see also this wave of technology enthusiasm coming from one of my best friends in the Caribbean and worldwide, uh, Gabriel Abed from Barbados, that he for years. Have been just pushing the envelope of technology and, and, and blockchain and cryptocurrency so much that, that he was able to then create Bit in Barbados. And Bit is this amazing company that themselves have been able to help Barbados to transform their currency, the local currency to Bitcoins. So there's already this uh, place in the Caribbean that already is using Bitcoin over, over the island, right? And, and to me, that's just, you know, amazing. That's to me, it's also, cool. you know, a role model that, that, that maybe we can test, maybe not in, in the, all of the island, but maybe in some places, maybe we can test, you know, this possibility of using Bitcoin for this. I mean, when I went over there to Puerto Rico last week, there's already a taxi driver that is accepting Bitcoins and, right. and Litecoin and Ethereum, right? And that's great, right? <laughs> it's amazing if, if people that have, uh, this technology with themselves, if they can just send this digital asset called Bitcoin or, or Ethereum, to me, that's just, that's just amazing, right? Uh,
1: Yeah, that's what we want.
0: Yeah, correct. And there are people, there are people, I'm sorry, there are businesses or restaurants over there that are already accepting this in Puerto Rico. And we are just, to some extent, just copy pasting to some extent what my dear brother Gabriel Abed and Oliver in, in Barbados, what they have been doing already for several years. So to me, Puerto Rico and the whole Caribbean could see a renaissance, just a renaissance of of innovation and technology that started with this amazing new technology called cryptocurrencies and... and,
2: Latin Silicon Valley.
0: Why not, right? Yeah, it it could be the Silicon region, the Silicon uh, Caribbean, right? yeah or the crypto caribbean right or cryptocurrency or or blockchain caribbean right however you call it which is perfectly fine but it can be a a region of just coming up with amazing new technology that can really revolutionize industries all over the world and help people really help people in, in from the richest to the poorest right from from uh, you know amazing countries such as uh, over here in the US in in Europe as well as the poorest countries in Haiti which we have solar blockchain already in Haiti uh and in Africa that I you know I'm helping also in in countries such as Malawi over there and just using a phone just simply using a phone and, and that to me is amazing you know why not Puerto Rico and the the whole Caribbean right it has amazing weather <laughs> uh although we have amazing beaches
2: <laughs> so if you, if you can if you can make it a technological hub then you already have everything else you need right there you go Absolutely. You have the economy you running go. So, uh, we're, we're out of time, Enrique. Um, but where can people learn more about your projects and about what you're doing?
0: Uh, right now we are about to finish, uh, creating the website. Keep in mind that when, when we started this thing, we didn't even think about creating a website. We were just going 300 miles per hour. Just to, you know, help bring investors and, you know, bring the technology together to help the people as fast as we could, as we could. But just for now, they can, they can reach me at, uh, my website, Web Capitalist, the website of the company, of the corporation, Web Capitalist with an S at the end, webcapitalist.com.
2: So what's the name of the website?
0: It is energyblock.com.
2: So if you guys want to learn more about Enrique's project to make Puerto Rico a Solar microgrid, microeconomy, Go to his website, energyblock.com or webcapitalists.com.
0: Yes. And, and you can send me an email, you know, you can, uh, uh, contact or info both of them at webcapitalists.com. We, you know, keep in mind that it has, has, an S at the end, webcapitalist with an S at the end, dot .com. More than happy. Or you can go to a Facebook page and, and you can see, uh, find us over there. More than happy to just share whatever I can, right? Uh, with anybody.
2: Awesome. And we'll, we'll link those up in the show notes. Thank you so much, Enrique, for coming on. It was uh, super awesome getting to talk to you and hear about your, your project that hopefully is going to restore power for a lot of people.
0: It will be amazing. Hey guys, I really appreciate the opportunity. I mean, both of you are just top notch. So thank you very much for the opportunity. And obviously to all of your audience, just keep doing this amazing work and keep trying to, uh, help every time, right? Every time that you have a podcast, help to inform and re-energize, right? The uh the dreams and, and, and the uh and the wealth of of value that people can bring to this industry and to any other industry.
1: Excellent.
2: Here, here. I agree. Thank you for coming on Enrique.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You too.
2: Have a great day. Thank you for listening to a Bit Cryptic Podcast. A Bit Cryptic Podcast is hosted by Alain Leon, Dang Du and myself, Jeff Peterson. Show notes are by our editor-in-chief, Dang Du. Show production and editing is done by the miracle maker, Joanna Marie Nicholas. Website is by Sammy Toucan and his team at Pack Surge Media. Remember, nothing we say in this show is meant to be financial advice. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep it cryptic.